Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. A lot of people would tell you the NBA season doesn't officially tip off till Christmas. That's not true. Don't listen to a lot of people. In fact, if too many people are saying something, you probably should look into it, especially if it's on social media. No, the NBA season has already started. We're about a month in, 15-ish games or so, and the season is starting to take shape. And there are some weird storylines, really. Uh, We talked about a couple of them before the break. The Warriors getting fantastic performances from Steph Curry. So there's a constant, but not playing great basketball, despite the fact that they thought they'd be adding pieces to the mix that won the championship last year. In addition to that, despite the drama and the tumult at the beginning of training camp, the Boston Celtics have come out of the gate scorching hot. Uh, In addition to that, we've seen teams that worked in new faces trying to come up with these new combos and figure out the way to settle in as a group and become cohesive. There's no real shortcut to that. Uh, So there's just a lot happening. Uh, What's down is up. What's up is down. That's pretty typical in sports. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. We're live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. When you need cash out of your home in a simple way to get it, Rocket can. Please find us on Twitter, After Hours CBS, on our Facebook page, too. We're going to jump into some football a little bit later. Uh, Lots of quarterback news, and we're dotting the landscape. We're barely scratching the surface, but we also try to be a well-rounded operation. So to that end, we want to talk some hoops, and we welcome Vizen Live host and senior NBA analyst Jonathan Von Tobel joining us from Las Vegas. I have my opinions about the first month of the NBA season. How would you describe what we've seen since these guys got back on the court? Man, I think it's going to be kind of odd, right? I think it's a pretty good one because you have these teams like that we expected to be bad and they're kind of good, and we have these teams that we expected to be good and they're kind of bad. <laughs> uh, I think that's the, the cool thing about it. So it, it's been kind of weird, right? Utah is 
and they're kind of coming back down to earth a little bit, but Utah's already got 10 wins. It's a team whose win total crashed to like 23 and a half before the season started, and they're nearly 10, or excuse me, halfway there in terms of their win total, right? But then on the other side, they have a team like Golden State Warriors, who seemingly can't win a road game and are one of the worst defensive teams in the NBA, even though we expected them to be one of the best as they were last year. So I think we're a really good year word for it. Obviously, we're still dealing with small sample sizes. We're only about 15 games into the season, but these sample sizes are starting to grow. And so when some of these bad teams are good for a while and some of these good teams are bad for a while, <laughs> you, at this point, you start to take a little bit more stock into it. Wild and wacky and actually not that dissimilar from the NFL with some teams that analysts and experts expected to come out of the gate hot and they just haven't done it. Well, let's talk about the defending champions. As you say, they're above 500. They're over on the road. They really struggle away from Chase Center. What's been the issue for them so far? I think it's been what we expected to be a very good piece for them, which was their bench and their youth. Uh, has not really panned out, right? They they just send James Wiseman to the G League. Uh, he clearly needs to be there for a while. It's actually what they said, that he was going to be there for an extended amount of time. Guys like Jonathan Kaminga couldn't see the court for like a while, and even when he does get onto the court, he hasn't been playing very big minutes for them. You know, one of their best young guys has been Moses Moody, but this was kind of the expectation for Golden State coming into this year is the young guys were supposed to make them better. The young guys were supposed to really help push this bench, which lost a lot of pieces in the offseason, to be just as good, as, if not better, than they were a season ago. But that hasn't been the case. With Steph Curry off the floor, their net rating is a negative 14.3, meaning to get outscored by 14 points, essentially, every 100 possessions. That is not very good at all. Their offensive rating, a 102.5 without Curry on the floor, is atrocious. And it's crazy because even their defense, you know, talk about that, even their starting lineup has not been defending that well. and They've been fouling like crazy. I think really when you look at it, the depth has been a very big issue. And I, Maybe it corrects itself. Maybe they add something at the deadline. But I would say in the grand scheme of things, when it comes to competing for a championship, I think you worry about that. I think they'll eventually get to the point where they're going to be above 500 and, and winning games and getting into the postseason. But as far as winning a title, unless that bench is going to get better, I think you're a little worried about their chances. Another team in the West that's not only below 500 but is one of the worst records in the entire league is the Lakers. And Anthony Davis said that they recently held a team meeting. Their focus is on trying to get better. Is it fixable, Jonathan? I don't think so. I, I think they, they came into this year as a very flawed team, and there's nothing that's really going to change. Like, they did the right thing, I think, and you know, sending Russell Westbrook to the bench because the minutes with him and LeBron and Anthony Davis, those numbers just were not very good. And so that kind of maximizes what you have uh, for them. But at the same time, like, what do we know about LeBron James? He thrives when he is surrounded by shooters. Well, that's not what this team is. They, they are shooting 31% from three right now. In today's NBA, you can't do that. And that's not getting any better, right? These guys aren't all of a sudden going to become better three-point shooters. And they don't even take a lot of threes to begin with. I just think when you look at this squad, it's just inherently flawed. Like, they tried to get a little bit younger in the offseason. They tried to get a little bit more athletic. That helps a little bit. But the guys that you have out there just aren't shooting the ball well, and they're not going to change their stripes at this point. I think that this is just another season where you're looking at Los Angeles and going, not even not even a play-in play team. I don't even think they're, I don't think they're finishing inside the top ten. They're going to be on the outside looking in yet again. The Portland Trailblazers right now are sitting on top of the West. Ten wins already, along with the Utah Jazz, who you already highlighted. 
I guess I thought Portland had hit this wall where I wasn't sure they were going to be able to bust through again, especially after trading away C.J. McCollum, who's obviously having a blast with the New Orleans Pelicans. What makes Portland so hot out of the gate? Well, I think it's their defense. Their defense has been surprisingly good up to this point right now. If you if you look at some of the defensive efficiency numbers right now, they rank eighth in non-garbage time defensive efficiency. They're giving up 111.2 points per 100 possessions. And they're doing it in spite of, shockingly enough, uh, their offense being very average at this <laughs> point right now. They're 16th in offensive efficiency. And they really fall off when Damian Lillard's not out there. But, you know, out of all these teams that have been, like, nice surprises, right, in Portland, obviously, is one of them, as you mentioned, there is going to be, I think, a fall from grace here, and I think it might be coming soon. If you look at some of the shot quality data, essentially the quality of shots that they're giving up and what opponents are shooting on those shots, they've been getting pretty lucky. If you look at it, it's called like a location-effective field goal percentage is out there, and if league opponents shot you know, a league average from the quality of shots that they were getting, there's a Portland team that would be last in effective field goal percentage, not 13th in which they are right now. I think we're probably going to start to see this team slip a little bit in terms of their defense. And if that offense doesn't start to catch up, then we're going to start to see the real version of the Portland Trailblazers. I still think they could be a play-in team, top six solidly, which they are right now. I think that's a little bit of fool's gold at this point. Jonathan Von Tobel is with us from Vizen Live. He's a host and a senior NBA analyst, and we're glad to have him back after hours. CBS Sports Radio. So, Jonathan, the Cavs had gone on this hot streak, and then all of a sudden hit the skids. How much of that is because they're working out this new lineup and new roles and trying to figure out their rhythm and their flow? Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. Injuries are also a big part of it, too. Jared Allen has missed some time, and he hasn't been part of the lineup uh, with regularity here. So that's going to make a really big difference for the Cleveland Cavaliers because he's obviously a very big part of what they want to do defensively. Donovan Mitchell has missed a little bit of time. He's been in and out of the lineup with his own injuries. So while they've lost you know, a couple of games, I would think that they're, they, they, they're still going to be pretty good. You want to get some continuity, too, because you mentioned, right, this is a brand-new group, and while yes. they got off to the ground, you know, the running start, when you're missing time, all of a sudden, you know, when you're trying to work things out, that does not help you at all. So uh, what I'm really interested in is as this kind of moves forward and what they're going to look like defensively, because Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland are not very good defenders. And Donovan Mitchell's kind of bought in early on, trying to put out a little bit more effort defensively. But we've seen him put forward some pretty pathetic defensive efforts at times, especially in some big spots like postseason games or otherwise. I wonder if like this version of Donovan Mitchell – is really going to be the guy that we're getting defensively as the season moves along. And once you get to, like, you know, a road game in Detroit on Wednesday in February, <laughs> are you really going get to the, get the effort that you've gotten from Donovan Mitchell? And I wonder if they start to slip there. But I think injuries have been a little bit of a part of what we've seen. And like you mentioned, kind of just getting used to one another on top of having to deal with this time. But how do you like Donovan Mitchell in Cleveland overall, conceptually, I guess? Oh, I, I think it works out really well, especially on offense, right? Like Darius Garland last year, it was so hard for them because he was their only real shot creator. Uh, he was the only guy who was charged with making any sort of offense. And so now you get two guys like that and two, I dare I say, elite guys. Darius Garland has evolved into a very good offensive guard. And Donovan Mitchell, of course, as we know, is a scoring dynamo. So I would say, yes, like it, it works out super well when it comes to at least addressing some of their biggest weaknesses. I, I just wonder, like the whole team in, in the big picture, right? Like, for example, their bench, it, it's not insanely deep and it's kind of old. Like when you're waiting for Ricky Rubio to come back from injury, you're not in the best spot from a depth standpoint. When you're relying on Kevin Love at his basketball <laughs> age, we'll call it, you know, to kind of replicate a potential six-man six of the year type season like he had last year. 
I think you're on thin ice when it comes to your depth. So I think like the, the roster as a whole has some clear flaws, but I think Mitchell definitely filled the hole that they had on this roster that they definitely needed to fill. I will say, though, I think it's fascinating that Kevin Love is the one piece that's still there with the Cavaliers through those four runs to the NBA championship round. Of course, the one title against the Warriors. He's the guy that stuck. I mean, the number of times that either he was on the way out or was going to get traded or cut, and he's still there. We're like two years removed from him being so mad at Colin Sexton in a Thunder game (laughs) that he refused to actually take a pass in a game. Like, it was absolutely (laughs) incredible. You thought that he was going to quit at some point. Like, I I was amazed watching that. And now here he is, like you said, like he's a key contributor. And he was, for some people, the sixth man of the year last year. So, no, his story, his arc has been incredible. Jonathan Von Tobel is with us from Visa Live and Las Vegas. It's after hours, CBS Sports Radio. The Boston Celtics certainly had a tumultuous, I was going to say offseason, but it actually wasn't that. It was a tumultuous couple of weeks before they tipped off the season, finding out that their coach would be suspended all year. Ime Udoka nearly ended up as the head coach of the Nets. We'll talk about them in a second. So he's still Boston's problem, but of course not around the team. What has impressed you about the way they've handled themselves in these first few weeks of the season? Oh, it's their offense. They, they're now their second in offensive efficiency right now uh, behind the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, I've been so blown away with how good they have been offensively. Uh, it's been incredible to watch. And, and it's because of guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. They've been performing very well. But they're averaging 119.9 points for 100 possessions and non-garbage time minutes. That's an incredible rate for this team. And it's not like they were terrible offensively last season, but they were a team that were a little hit or miss when it came to their like their consistency. We saw that pop up in the NBA Finals. Uh, they were super reliant on three-point shooting. And last year, remember, they finished 10th in offensive efficiency. The, the way that they've been scoring and the way that it has looked so easy for them and the way they can go out and pace teams like Atlanta like they did on Wednesday night, like, it's incredible to watch them on offense. I think, for me, that's been the most impressive part. Their defense got off to a slow start. They're slowly climbing up the rankings. I think they really miss Robert Williams. Once he comes back, they're going to start to look much more like the defensive group they were last year. But the fact that they're carrying the weight with their offense, I think, has impressed me the most. They have looked absolutely incredible in that regard. So they don't miss Ime at all? I, you know, I'm not sure if they really do at this point. And it's not to take away from Ima Yudoka, because Yudoka, I think, did a tremendous job with him. And one of the big things that he gets credit for is changing Robert Williams' defensive assignments, right? Last year, one of the reasons why they got off to that 18 and 21 start was Robert Williams was playing more of a true center role defensively. So he was in, you know, the middle of this pick and roll actions, wasn't really working for him. So they switched his role and they moved him off ball. And so they said, just, you know what, you just help. You come crashing in, you block shots, you do all those things. And it changed everything for them. And Udoka deserves credit for that. But he also wasn't a perfect coach, right? Like we mentioned the offensive struggles in the NBA Finals. He never figured out an issue for that. They were bottom half of the league in clutch time uh, in terms of their net rating. They were outscored by about nine points for 100 possessions in clutch time. That's games within five points or five or fewer minutes. It's a coaching thing. Bottom half of the league in terms of points out of timeouts. That's a coaching thing. So I think Udoka deserves some credit. But he wasn't the best coach in the world. And I think now you're seeing that, hey, look, there are some guys who can press the right button and get the most out of a team offensively. And they've already set the stage already for what they're doing defensively. So Joe Mazzula, I think, has done a tremendous job. And it's, again, to take away from Udoka, 
I think this team is just so good, and if you've already tweaked the right little pieces, it kind of just takes care of itself. Mm, a well-oiled machine once they get going. So the Celtics yep. right now are sporting the best record in the NBA. The Milwaukee Bucks have got the second-best record. There are a couple of teams that surprise me, and I know injuries are always a part of the equation. The Sixers, to be sure, who right now are sitting at 500, but also the Chicago Bulls. I guess I expected a little more of them right away, considering the excitement, the enthusiasm, and and really the opportunity to build on on where they finished last year. Yeah, I thought, I, to be honest with you, I thought Chicago was going to be worse, to be perfectly honest. And they're kind of falling a little bit now at this point uh, in terms of the standings. But, like, we, they're doing the same thing that they did last year. Like, last year, every single number screamed, hey, this team's not that good. And yet, at one point, they were in control of the one seed in the Eastern yeah. Conference <laughs> before sliding all the way down to the point where they finished. And I think we're going to start to see that a little bit more. And it's not like they're blowing teams away. I think they're, what, 6-9 and nine now after their loss to the New Orleans Pelicans. So I, I think that we're going to start to see this team kind of turn into what they were. The, the biggest thing is the fact that Lonzo Ball is not ready for them at the beginning of the season. That stinks. Because Ball, and it stinks too because he's a good player, and you hope that he's healthy because this seems to be a knee issue that's bothering him for a while. But he's also a massive difference maker for them defensively. And I think we're starting to see now them turn into a little bit of a pumpkin. And we're like this game against Pelicans, 124 points. They had a rough time in the third quarter, gave up 37. I think Chicago is going to be one of those teams that's fighting for a play-in spot this year as opposed to a top six seed like they were a season ago. I love pumpkins. <laughs> yeah. A Cinderella reference for everybody out there. Yes, I got no, kids, got so we're getting, we're getting into that realm. Jonathan Von Tobel of Wiesen is with us from Vegas here on CBS Sports Radio. All right, I saved the, <clears throat> the best for last with the Brooklyn Nets. I'm not even sure where to start, so I'm just going to serve it up on a silver platter for you, Jonathan. What do you make of what's happening with the Nets? Everything from the personnel group they had after the offseason to the coaching decision they make with Jacques Vaughn to Kyrie Irving still being away from the team, though there is a report he could return this weekend. Yeah, I do. I don't know. Like, so I'm such like a uh, – I like a lot of numbers and analytics and data and all that kind of stuff, and that is not what you get when it comes to Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> No. Like even like the other night, like when when he's or he's quoted as saying, "Look at our starting lineup. What do you expect from that group? Like you're 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 playing. How can you say that about the guys that you are playing with right now?" And then you get reports that they're getting frustrated with Ben Simmons. Uh, I will say this: I think the best move they made was hiring Jacques Vaughn as opposed to going with Ibe Udoka because clearly Yudoka comes with baggage and with whatever happened and transpired behind the scenes over there in Boston, why he's serving a year-long suspension, to go then and hire that guy to a team that already has all the off-court noise possible is just not a good thing. And Jacques Vaughn, to his credit, I know they gave up 150 points the other night. In the first seven games without Steve Nash, the Nets actually led the league in defensive efficiency over those seven games. So he's been pushing some buttons correctly for the Brooklyn Nets. I think he makes them better. And if they can get something out of Ben Simmons instead of just like 17 minutes a game and absolutely nothing on defense, if they're getting something out of him, you know, this could be like a six seed in the Eastern Conference. But like right now, why would you expect anything else other than drama and missed opportunities and losing games? Because that's all we've kind of seen from this team. Isn't this exactly what Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving wanted when they teamed up? The ability to make decisions, but look what happened. Their decisions that they made going back even now three-plus years have completely blown up and turned into total disasters. And I think the Nets deserve some criticism for that too, by the way. right? Like you, can't, 
you can't sit there and do everything possible because they went out and they hired the guys that they wanted. And Steve Nash was originally a Kevin Durant guy. Remember, he worked with him at Brooklyn. It was one of those guys that he uh, you know, uh, said that or credited for helping him through some uh, mental stuff when he was playing with the Golden State Warriors all the way back then. Uh, you hire him. You bring in DeAndre Jordan. You you bend over backwards for these guys, and then all of a sudden you try to play hardball, and then, of course, they want to trade. They want out. The Nets deserve some criticism here. Like, you can't just run uh, – this is a very negative kind of take. Like, you can't let the inmates run the asylum, right? Like, at some point, you've got to put your foot down and do something structurally, and they let them do whatever they want, and then they're sitting back going, oh, my gosh, like, what's happening? Are, are these my consequences coming to roost? This is ridiculous. Oh. Like, this whole team has been an absolute nightmare. I actually am relieved for Steve Nash that he's no longer part of it and doesn't have to deal with it on a daily basis. Yep. Oh, absolutely. I think, too, like, I feel like for him, there was at one point where it's like, look, I might want to be a head coach again. I just need to get out of here early. Like, these guys clearly don't care. <laughs> right. Like, let's just get this done and let me get out of here so maybe I can save a little bit of face and I can grab another coaching job at some point. Or maybe he's smart. He's just like, dude, this isn't worth the stress. I'm a really good basketball player. I had my time. I'm just going to go retire and do some fun stuff as opposed to deal with this nonsense. Oh, it has been a lot of nonsense to be sure. We'll see whether or not they settle in. And that's what's happening with a lot of teams. They need to settle in, find a rhythm. A few weeks into the NBA season, it's definitely wacky and some weird storylines. You can follow Jonathan on Twitter at MeJVT. He's a host you can hear on Vizen Live Network on Saturdays and Sundays, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. You can also catch catch his podcast hardwood handicappers and where where can people find that Uh, that's uh twice a week that's on uh, mondays and actually thursday so there'll be new episode tomorrow anywhere you get your podcast so apple spotify all those good spots or babeason.com awesome well thanks so much for joining us for a couple minutes from vegas we appreciate it thank you so much for having me anytime spotlighting some of the stories in the nba in the first month so there for those of you who need your hoops fix boom Oh, my gosh, my mom sent me another boom text on Wednesday. I don't know what's gotten into her. All right, coming up, we, we're we going to have to dive into the NFL eventually. We can't put it off any longer. But I feel like it deserves its own smallish segment. We've got Deshaun Watson back at practice for the Cleveland Browns. Man, it been, it's been a long time since we've talked about this guy, really. He was serving his 11-game suspension. He still has one more that he has to sit out, but he's now back at practice. And so Jacoby Brissett and Kevin Stefanski and others in the Browns are having to assimilate him back into the fold and prepare for him to take over as the QB. It's it's strange, right? It's, not as though they've been playing this amazing winning football, but still an odd situation and and tough at that position for a team to adjust midstream. You can find me on Twitter, A-Law Radio. We're working on photos for our Facebook page. Really excited to finally get those up, especially since Thursday is a very special day in the family. Thanks for hanging out with us after hours. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. ...on CBS Sports Radio. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. I think everybody kind of understands the, the situation uh, that we're in. Uh, the guys understand Deshaun and, and being a great teammate. He's going to get his work in. Jacoby's going to do the same. So I just see it as the next step for uh, Deshaun. Uh, being able to practice. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. It definitely is the next step. Cannot play until week 13 because that would be the 11 games and the 12 weeks if you factor in the bye. So for the Cleveland Browns, he will be back on the field as their starter when they take on Houston in week 13. And on Wednesday, he took another giant step forward, his first practice since August 30th. Now, he's been allowed to sit in on meetings uh, for a little while now. He's been around the team using the facilities to work out. And according to the commissioner, at least the last we heard, Roger Goodell said that Deshaun Watson has met every requirement that they laid out for him to fulfill his suspension and his time away But right now, it's still Jacoby Brissett's job, and they have to figure out how to manage snaps and reps and how to get Deshaun ready, even while looking at what's immediately in front of them, which at this point is the Bills and Jacoby Brissett for Week 11. We've talked about a lot of things going into practice and stuff like that, of how things will be split up and stuff like that, and I feel confident that I'll be more than fine going into the game. I think he has a, a lot of reps that he can rely on and, and can watch the tape of him running plays that he'll be asked to run when it's time for him to play. Um, but the most important thing right now is, is getting ready for Buffalo and getting Jacoby ready to play. And so that's the game that's coming up immediately, and it's the Browns on the road at the Bills. I can imagine the Bills will be a ticked-off team considering their 17-point late third quarter lead they coughed up against the Minnesota Vikings and also the way that it happened, uh, not just the the fumble on the half-yard line from Josh Allen that's recovered by the Vikings, but then even as they go into overtime, they have a great opportunity to score a touchdown and put this misery and the trauma behind them, and instead it's a second interception uh, from Josh Allen, courtesy of one Patrick Peterson. So Buffalo, and before that losing to the New York Jets, they've got a lot that they're looking forward to uh, as they get right back on the horse, so to speak. And it's not... The teams in conference that they can't beat or the teams that are in the NFC, nah, they're just struggling with teams from the NFC East. Did I say NFC? Sorry, AFC East. So they should be just fine (laughs) against the Cleveland Browns. The Vikings game was wild and and certainly wacky. uh, Mistakes that were made. And Josh Allen would say, he would tell you, he's one of the first that steps up and says, hey, the quarterback's playing crappy. Um, But I wouldn't want to be in Cleveland's situation because Buffalo no doubt has been carrying that around now for not just one week, but two weeks the way that they've played uh, against opponents 
one at home when they had a huge lead and one in their division when they're trying to protect their back-to-back division titles. Uh, the Browns, like the Pittsburgh Steelers, are languishing toward the bottom of the a- uh, the AFC North. Same records of three and six. So both teams have had their bye weeks. And while the AFC is not quite as thick around the middle or mediocre as the NFC, uh, th- there's more competition. You still have a path, certainly in the AFC North. I mean, this division changed hands, so the division lead changed hands a bunch last year. We know that. And so the Ravens right now have the game lead, but nobody is out of it in the division. In terms of wild cards, yes, there's always the chance, right? Because we still have the second half in front of us, but you have so many teams that are right there at 500 or just above 500, just below 500. So it's a little more of a fight, a little more of a crowd. It's more crowd control in the AFC than it is in the NFC. Lots of talk about whether or not this whole thing is going to be awkward. The transition from Jacoby Brissett to Deshaun Watson when he returns. Nick Chubb answering the question of how it's going to feel and whether or not it's going to be a problem. It won't be awkward at all. Um, Jacoby's our quarterback. Um, he has been since the beginning of the season, so it won't be awkward at all. But we're all excited to see the sun come out, um, get some reps, and see, see how he's been doing. I almost feel like Nick Chubb is answering that question in the immediate. It won't be awkward at all. Jacoby's our quarterback. Now, Jacoby's our quarterback. Until he isn't. (laughs) But Jacoby signed on knowing what the job was. Now, there was the possibility when Brissett took the deal with Cleveland that Deshaun would be suspended the entire season. And so it would have given him a full year to be the quarterback. That's obviously not the case. But I still say most athletes, given the opportunity, would rather be in a position where they have an opportunity to start. They have an opportunity to prove what they can do to show what they can do. They'd rather be on the field, even if it is in the short term and and nothing in the NFL or professional sports is guaranteed anyway, unless you're Deshaun Watson and you have his fat contract, that's fully guaranteed, but nothing else is guaranteed. Uh, And so for Jacoby, I don't know that he would have made a different decision had he known he was going to give up the starting job uh, after Deshaun's suspension. But either way, he got an opportunity to get back on the field as a starter and I'm happy for him and we'll see what happens with him Moving forward, so Kevin Stefanski now has this on his plate to deal with, and I don't care what any coach says. This is not an easy situation. It's it's not wh- whether or not the players are going to say it's awkward. It's still not typical of what happens, right? I mean, it's always awkward when coaches make a change. You have to have an uncomfortable conversation with a quarterback when you make a change. I guess there's that. At least Stavansky doesn't have to break any news to go to Jacoby Brissett because he already knows it's happening. Yeah, I I think this isn't as bad. It, it would be a lot more awkward if they were 6-3 and because then it would be the idea of, <laughs> yes. are we really doing this now? You know, and a lot of the guys in the locker room are like, look, we got something going. Do we really want to make the change? We know Watson's good. He hasn't played in two years. We got something going. A little bit like the commanders right now. Yeah, you're three and six. It's Deshaun Watson. You made the trade. You paid him all the money. Yeah. You're going to give him the football. He's going to play. So I think everybody knows that in the building. Jacoby Brissett is well aware of that. So that conversation's not going to be long. That's not even necessarily coming to my office. That You could walk by him yeah. in, the, in the hallway. Oh, I think he knows. That's what I mean. So there's really, it's not as... Awkward as it could be. What if they don't start playing any better? What if there are no more wins or they finish out the rest of the season, say, I don't know, with just six wins. So three more the rest of the way. 
either way, I mean, it's still going to wind up being Watson once the once he's eligible against the Texans in Week 13. Now, whether or not he's going to be rusty, whether or not the team looks good, whether you know it gels, those are all different questions, and we'll find out, and they'll figure it out, and they'll have the entire offseason to try to fix it for next year. So they know this is big picture and not short term. See, that's the part that I think is really critical. They want Watson on the field for as many reps as possible because they want to shake the rust off Mm -hmm. now. And I'm not telling you that the guys in the building don't care if they win because it's got to be frustrating for them. They feel like they've got one of the best running games in in the season, or I'm sorry, in the league. And they've also got their quarterback coming back. I mean, they... They were probably prepared, if they had to be, for a year-long suspension as well. Right. They've got him coming back. They feel like they've got uh, some really good defenders. I know they have a, a few injuries on the defensive side of the ball. But, yeah, at this point, your big picture is to get him ready and back into game shape and back into a rhythm for next season. And it's also to find your identity because that's one thing that's been lacking in Cleveland. You've got this running game. You had Brissett as the quarterback, and they haven't really – utilize that running game as much as they need to to be able to. So they got to figure out what their identity is. So I think they're going to spend the second half of the season when Watson is there for their sake, figuring out who they are on offense. And that's something that they need to, they should have been doing this this whole time. They should have been relying on this running game and they kind of got away from it a little bit too much. Now they got to figure out who they want to be with Watson and their running game. How do they want to manipulate their offense? How do they want to go about trying to put the game plan together and try to figure out who they are. It's not just kicking off the rust for Watson. It's figuring out what identity you want to be. And And I I think the Browns right now are struggling with that. I don't know why you would tinker with it. I've said this a bazillion times. Hunt, Kareem Hunt, and Nick Chubb should be touching the ball no fewer than 30 times per game. And that might even be a low number considering the two of them. That is your best option for winning. So I'm with you. They have gotten away from that. It's strange. There's been a lot of questions about it. And then they just kind of fall off the map and they become a little irrelevant. And especially with Brissett at quarterback. I and mean, it's not a disrespect, but I mean, you are talking about a guy that was a stopgap. You knew that mm-hmm. coming in. Yeah. You also knew that you had your starter coming in later in the year. You would think that you would probably look at it and go, you know what? What's our best way to win? Well, we got Nick Chubb. We got Kareem Hunt. Let's pack it in. Let's run the football. Let's see if we can keep games tight. We got a good defense. And they just they got away from what their strength is. And again, maybe it's the Very idea strange. that Kevin Stefanski wants to run his offense, and once he gets to Sean Watson, he can run what he wants to run. I don't really know. That doesn't help you now. But I know now they've got to figure out what their identity is, and they need to do that moving forward. Because you walk into next season, and you're week one, and you're still not sure who you are, that's a problem. Not much better for Baker Mayfield, their former QB, though he is the starter again with an injured P.J. Walker. Top of the hour, a ton of QB news. We have to go AFC, NFC because there's so much of it. Wednesday is all about the quarterbacks and prep for the upcoming weekend, of course, kicking off, I hope, in the snow at Lambeau Field with the Titans and the Packers on Thursday. Straight ahead, we haven't talked about this in a long time, but it's not as though nothing is happening, nothing's changing, there are no shots being Fired. Oh, yeah. PGA versus Lit. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. is still a thing. It's After Hours on CBS Sports Radio. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. I certainly don't see the PGA Tour trending downward at all. All the talent, most 95% of the talent is here. You've got people like Tom Kim coming through who are, you know, that's, that's the future of our game. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Even in the offseason or the downslope, there's still this undertone with golf. As long as there are the two lawsuits, as long as you've got Liv and players from the Liv who are suing the PGA and various other parties, there are going to be these undertones and these undercurrents, even though it seems like the PGA has come up with a new plan, has beefed up its own schedule as well as its purses and the money. So what happens now? Liv got a ton of attention in the first year of its existence. And I said it a bazillion times, the Liv tour could not have paid for better publicity. I'm, I don't necessarily agree that there's no such thing as bad publicity. That That's not something I ascribe to. But I do say that when you're in the news, even it's, if it's for negative reasons or if there's a debate about you, that means that people are paying more attention. And if my mom knows what live golf is, it's not because of the big names that made the jump from the PGA to that new tour backed by the Saudi Arabians. No, it's because it was in the news. It's because it became a huge story that transcended sport in large part because of Phil Mickelson and Greg Norman and Dustin Johnson and others But not just because of that. It was because of the constant conversation. It was nonstop. We probably talked about the Live Tour and 
the number of golfers that made the jump as well as the divisiveness and the acrimony between the two tours every day for two months in the spring. And every time I bring it up, Jay does a fist pump because he loves the fact that we, he thinks the whole conversation is fascinating. And many people did. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. So where does the Live Golf Tour go in 2023? They're adding events. They hope to add more people. But I'm not sure if you've heard that there was there was at least a rumbling that they were going to get rid of Greg Norman. So give their commissioner and CEO Daz Boot. And Rory McIlroy, who has been the self-proclaimed defender of the PGA Tour, even when it didn't necessarily need defending. And there have been guys who have disagree with some of the points he's made about standings and rankings and all that kind of jazz. But in the case of Greg Norman, in the case of the Live Tour, he has been a staunch defender and believes that the Live is all about a money grab, that there's no value to it whatsoever. And even in the silly season, he is taking shots at not just Live, but also at Greg Norman, who at this point still is the commissioner and CEO. I think there's a few things that need to happen. So there's there's obviously two lawsuits going on at the minute, right? There's the PJ Tour versus Live, and there's obviously this one that's coming up with the the DP World Tour in, in February. Nothing can happen if those two things are still going on, especially. Yeah, I mean you're you're limited in in what you can do, and then I think from whatever happens with those two things, there's there's a few things that I would like to see on the live side that needs to happen. I think Greg needs to go. I think he needs to just exit stage left and look, he's, he's made his mark, but I think now is the right time to, to sort of say, look, you've, you know, you've got this thing off the ground, but no one's going to talk and, unless, you know, there's an adult in the room that can actually try to mend fences. Um, and if those two things happen, then things can, things can happen. But right now, um, it's a stalemate because it, there can't be any other way. So hopefully something can happen. Who knows? But, but right now, um, I think the, the two separate entities, PJ Tour, European Tour, and Liv, they're just going to keep going both their separate ways, and, and one's a very different product to the other, and they're just going to keep going until you know, something happens, and whether that's in the, the hands of a court or a judge or if something else happens along the way, no one really knows. But right now, it seems like it's just a bit of a stalemate. Rory has softened his tune a bit in that he says he'd like to see communication and collaboration, maybe some compromise, some partnerships between the two tours, maybe even guys jumping back and forth. So that is a definite change from his stance at the beginning. He is now pinning the contentious nature on Greg Norman. So these lawsuits, he thinks they need to go away, which, of course, the PGA would love to see the lawsuits go away. Uh, But they're not at this point. I mean, one of them at least. Or we've seen a couple of golfers bow out of the lawsuits, and I think one of them was actually thrown out. Um, But why would they go away? These golfers want to preserve the right to be able to play on any tour that they like and, and yada, yada, yada. According to the Saudis, Greg Norman is not being forced out, and he is still the CEO and commissioner of the tour. Quote, any suggestion that changes are being made to Greg's title or role is patently false. It's not going away, even though it's kind of a silly golf season right now. 
It's after hours. So it's so delicious. It's after hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. You know, a good battle, a good he said, he said, a good uh, drama like a soap opera is always good for sport. <laughs> I'm telling you, it brings eyeballs and earballs that otherwise wouldn't be paying any attention. It's sad that that's how our world works, but it is so the case in social the, the age of social media and the internet. Speaking of social media, I remember one time I was looking at Ronaldo's numbers on Instagram and on his Twitter. I, I think Facebook was also in there as well. Uh, he is one of the most followed and most tracked social media figures ever. I mean, it's it's un it's astounding the number of followers that he has. So right now, he's the most followed person on Insta. Four hundred and fifty-five million followers. Four hundred fifty-five million. That's more people than live in the entire United States. It was up from four forty in April of twenty-two. So here we are, not even eight months later. And he's picked up another 15 million followers just since April. Isn't that insane? That's insane. Kylie Jenner, by the way, is number two on Insta. And she is at 349 million. So it's not even close. How many followers on Facebook? At last check, over 153 million. That goes back to October. So last month. I mean, he's he's a monster. And he recently did an interview with Piers Morgan in which he was asked about that. It means that people like me too. I'm charismatic, I think. Why I'm the number one? Sometimes I ask, ask that question to myself. Why me and not another one? <laughs> Why do you think it is? To be honest, I, not just only because I, I play good football, because everyone knows, but I think the rest is, is relevant. You have to be charismatic. People have to to feel some connection with you. I think to be good looking helps too. <laughs> I, I have the same goal. Yeah, I feel the same way. To be honest, Chris, I don't know the real reason, but I think I'm charismatic and I'm 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 appetitive fruit. I don't know if we a what? A fruit what? that people want to bite. Yeah. I don't what? know the, the how, how you can say in English. Did you cut it off or did you have to because of the is there more no that's really he, he just asked him any fruit in particular or oh know. well we're gonna have to hear that again that's amazing we're running up to the top of the hour here but that's cristiano ronaldo in advance of the world cup with piers morgan on piers morgan uncensored uh that's part of the youtube video that we got he also said he almost made the jump to man city which is shocking more ronaldo ahead it's after hours cbs sports radio you could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 